0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Single Minded. My name is Hannah First and I am your host and my mum, Linda, is joining me. Linda, hello. Hello.
1: Hello, hello, (laughs) Hannah. Hello, everyone. Why do you always laugh? I know. I
0: actually had the funniest (laughs) thing. So basically, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you would know that mum tells me pretty much every single week to stop talking about Thailand. And I wanted to say that we got a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, this is my desperate plea to please ask you to review the podcast.
1: Don't be mean about me. <laughs> no no one has so far. But. Someone actually
0: um, <laughs> spelt your name, L-Y-N-D-A, which I thought was cute. That's okay. <laughs> but all the reviews have been super positive, super nice. So if you want to troll us, maybe just send us a DM instead because well don't even encourage it don't (laughs) say the word no one has so we got I loved this review Oi, love it when you talk about Thailand he he that was directed at you Linda correct and then I got another inbox message on Instagram that said I think you need to do a whole episode on Thailand so curious where you go what you do Sorry, Mum. So, (laughs) the people love Thailand. I
1: give you a hard time, but it's all in fun. Yeah.
0: So, this episode I am chatting to a sexologist. Her name is Cheryl Fagan and... The topic of conversation this week is really around creating shame-free spaces around sex because I think when we grow up, I feel like when we grow up, all these things are sort of shrouded in secrecy and shame and even, I wanted to tell you, mum, because I have a story to tell you that I've never told you about, even though I grew up in a household where mum is obviously super open and... But we never sat down and had the No, chat. you
1: didn't. I have to confess we, I never chatted. <laughs> you I didn't. just hoped that the school was chatting <laughs> well, they, to you.
0: Well they weren't. <laughs> but what I did wanna say was that not to do with sex or anything, but to do with periods and also to do with acne. So I used to get really, really embarrassed about having breakouts and pimples. And I used to like you remember how Dolly the magazine used to come with free samples of like Clearasil yes. or Clean and Clear or whatever. Oh yeah, I used to yep. hide those under my bed because I was so embarrassed what? that you would find them and you would know that I was using pimple products. Wow. This is how Im- that
1: is strange, very
0: strange. And I also mm. when I got my period,
1: wasn't I um, wasn't I really open about yes? Periods? But
0: you and I remember when I got my period, I did not tell you but you left pads in the cupboard and you just left them there for whenever for when it happened but i learned about sex through sex in the city to be honest because i remember we were on a trip to new york you had all gone out and uh, you said i wasn't allowed to watch sex in the city
1: yes pretty racy but
0: because we were in new york it was on cable and and so I spent, I remember you guys went out for the day knowing me, refusing to go on. That was usual, usual,
1: exactly.
0: I spent the entire day watching Sex in the City and I think I got all of my sexual education information from sex in the city so kids
1: today though they can watch that great show sex, sex education. education
0: i wish and
1: jillian oh. jillian anderson as the sex therapist mother absolutely brilliant we loved it even though it's not aimed at our age group but didn't you watch i suppose you were
0: older when you watched girls i was older when i watched girls i was already well aware well aware Anyway, today is all about shame and sex and how can we have more honest and open conversations about sex. So hope you enjoy the interview. I'm joined today by sexologist Cheryl Fagan. Welcome, Cheryl. Now you're a sexologist, so I would love for people that don't know what a sexologist does to get a bit more of a background of what you actually do and what you studied.
2: Thanks, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so a sexologist, I feel like when people hear that, so many different things come to mind as to what one would be doing in a career. So as a sexologist, you can be certified as an educator, a counselor, or a therapist, or a researcher. And so I am a certified sex educator. So after you do your study, just like with psychology or psychotherapy, you get accredited through an association. So I'm accredited through ASECT, which is in America, and also through SAS, which is the Society of Australian Sexologists. And I I did my bachelor's in psychology and then I went on to do my master's at Sydney Uni in sexual and reproductive health. Yeah, so I guess a sexologist, there's a lot of preventative work, which is what education would be doing. A lot of educators teach in schools, Mm. but then also sexologists are also therapists. So they're helping individuals and couples have better sexual intimacy or work through sexual shame. Sex is such a... like. Integral part of who we are, and I'm very humanity. And mm. there can be so many issues throughout life, throughout relationships that come up in relation to sexuality. So, people in the field of sexology help people with so many different things, like even fertility, mm. identity, so many things. <laughs> and what would like an average day for you look like? For me, I guess, well, so I'm, I do online sex education, so mm-hmm. it almost seems a little bit boring. For me I just spend a lot of my time reading and researching, writing, editing and right now I guess this year my biggest focus has been creating online courses because mm-hmm. I think you know the internet is where a lot of people go for their sex related questions. It's it sort
0: of takes away yeah. like the awkwardness or shame. So I spend a lot of time reading about sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And where did your passion for sex education come from? So I grew up in a house. I'm from California. I moved to
2: Sydney about 10 years ago. And so I grew up in a home where my parents were really comfortable with talking about sex with me and my siblings. It was sort of a normal conversation. And they both had I guess, pretty wild experiences growing up. <laughs> we could say it that way, exploring their sexuality. So they, mm-hmm. they wanted to share that with us kids so that we were able to make healthy and informed choices. But then my parents, they started taking us to church when I was like nine or 10. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned, well, I guess maybe there were some ways I learned this before, but that was where I really learned that there was shame associated with sex and that sex wasn't like a good thing. And it wasn't just merely a way to connect with somebody that it was bad and it could do all these things that would, would hurt you. So I, I, all of a sudden got all these shameful messages. And then in California, Mm. the sex ed is, it's sort of like fear-based. It's like, don't get pregnant, don't get an STI, here's how to use a condom. So it was very, I guess we could say like science-y. It wasn't wasn't like a holistic perspective of healthy relationships and identity and intimacy. So yes, I had my parents, you know, it was like a positive approach. And then I started going to church and it was a shameful approach. And then school wasn't, I guess there were just a lot of gaps for me. And I I had a lot of Mm. questions. And once I was like 18, 19, around that age... I just felt like the choices I was making, I never felt good afterwards. And Mm. I could see my friends as well. Like, I don't feel like we were, you know, dating or having sex or whatever, merely just because this is something that we wanted and we wanted to explore. It was also had so much to do with what, I guess, guys expected from us. And I just felt like it wasn't good enough. I was like, there's more to sex than like just, this physical thing. So that's, that's where my question started. And then I just started researching. And then I was like, Oh, I need to share this information with people. And then the more I kept reading and learning about how sex, you know, involves our whole being, I was like, wait, people don't understand this. If we were taught this at school, if we were taught this at home, or even an A religious setting like this would help people so much. And so then, yeah, at 19, I was like, I have to study this. I need to learn about this so I can share this information with people. Mm. Yeah, so that's where my passion came from, my own questions.
0: (laughs) And you teach holistic sex education, which is most people would probably think of sex as mind and body, but holistic sex education is mind, body and spirit. How is spirituality connected to our sexuality?
2: you know, so our spirituality is, I guess it's our very being, you know, it's our heart and our soul and our spirituality is, it's what guides us through life. And yeah, we have, you know, the mind and logic and the body, that's where we feel things. But our spirit is, you know, it's what guides us and Mm -hmm. sex and spirituality are deeply connected. And I think there's so much to sex that is unexplainable, and it's mysterious, and it's beautiful. And, I think when we recognize sex and sexual experiences with others as something that's more than just physical, it can be a lot more of a pleasurable. And like a nourishing experience
0: totally yeah. I totally agree yeah. with
2: that <laughs> um, I don't know if you know the work of Dr. Steven Snyder he's he's in New York no, I don't. um he's a sex therapist mm-hmm. based there yeah the way he describes like arousal and sex is amazing and he's like you know it's meant to be soul satisfying like nourishing and liberating like that's what good sex is and I think there's a spiritual aspect to that it's not just how our body parts feel like there's so much more to it and Yeah, and I also feel like in our culture, well, in Western culture, like we grow up with a consumerist mentality about everything. And so that comes into sex as well. So we're taught, you know, that sex can give us power, or it can. I I feel like we're just kind of sort of taught to use sex, but. I think sex isn't meant to be used in that way. It's meant to be something that connects us to someone. And mm. there's so much yeah, mystery to that that I think is really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I love that. You're really passionate about creating a shame-free space for us to talk about sex. And I think there's so much of, about sex that is wrapped up in shame. Mm-hmm. So could you tell me, I guess, a bit more about this? What causes shame around sex?
2: Yes. So, uh, I hate this so much because, uh, yeah, it takes so much untangling, you know, Mm. sex being associated with shame. And I think we're, we're socially conditioned to associate shame with sex. And then for many people that becomes internalized. So, yeah, when I say conditioned, you know, parents using correct names of body parts, if parents didn't do that, you know, like, it's not vulva or vagina or penis, but they use, you know, your wee-wee, your, these different terms Mm. that straight away, you know, that teaches us without, you know, I guess it's subconscious that, oh, this is something that's dirty because we can't even say what the name of it is. And parents were raised that way as well. So it's not like, you know, I don't want to blame parents, but honestly, not naming the correct name of our body parts tells us that there's, something to be ashamed about and you can teach the correct names for body parts and also teach privacy these are private body parts there's you know there's healthy ways to teach people that they're private and so so even that just not using the correct names you know girls from a young age were taught that if we're showing too much skin that that says that we're easy you know that causes shame Mm. or sometimes you know there's, there's so many messages for girls like and for women to have to work through you know or we're not sexy enough so then there's shame that because we're you know we're not beautiful enough or we're not we aren't able to attract somebody in a certain way you know that the media tells us we should and on a bit of a like heavier note one in three girls experience sexual assault Mm. and so there's shame there and if people grew up in like a religious upbringing or a conservative upbringing where there are strict rules, or even if someone went to like a Catholic school or an Anglican school, there definitely can be shameful messages wrapped up in those environments. Mm. And so I think we get these messages that even like desire and pleasure, that it's something that we should keep quiet. And that's where shame can develop, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like in secrecy. Mm. And people feel like they have to hide those parts of themselves. So then when you get to being an adult, it's not as easy to just express who we are as sexual beings.
0: Yeah. I think when you think back to like, even just when you see movies and you see the son and he's hiding from his parents, (laughs) there's so much shame and embarrassment around masturbation. Yeah, When you first start to explore it, like all the messages that you see in the media, I mean, the only real... TV show that I remember it being back when I was young was really Sex in the City. That was kind of the only show that I remember where they talked about it openly. Yeah. As females. Yeah. Mm. I
2: re-watched Sex in the City this year and I was like, wow, this would have been like groundbreaking yeah. for the late 90s. <laughs> like people would have been so upset about this yeah. show. But i like, there was just so many good messages in it. Even I I understand that people think there are some problematic ones, but I'm like, but they were opening up the conversation and just showing that this is normal. Like masturbating and being curious about your body from like puberty is so normal. That's part of our sexual development. We're curious about what makes us feel good. And yeah, we need, we need safe places to explore and do that. And so I I have sex educator friends or therapists and, and they have teenagers and I think sometimes their kids get embarrassed by them, but it's just so good that at least, you know, their parents know that they're, they're doing this and that it's okay. And I'm not necessarily encouraging it, but not, you know, making them feel bad or that they need to be embarrassed by it, which Mm. I think is really cool.
0: And in terms of if people, I guess, feel shame around, you know, certain parts of about sex or about their fantasies, how do you think we can start talking about sex more openly and honestly? And especially, I guess, with our partners, I, I listened to this episode of Sex with Emily and I, and she was talking to like a, a listener had called in and he or she was like, you know, I want to do this with my partner. And she's like, have you and your partner ever spoken about sex openly and the listener was like no and I was like oh wow I wonder if that's quite common that couples have sex but they don't actually talk about it openly and honestly or even if you're you know dating someone and I've had experiences where I've been dating someone and it's not been good but I don't know how to broach the subject
2: yeah yeah I think another like consequence of You know, shame around sex is the silence. And because in school, Mm. there aren't, we don't have like spaces to have healthy conversations around sex. Of course, when it comes to intimate relationships, it's going to be awkward. So people can be having sex, but they still don't know how to talk about it with a partner. So Mm. I think for one, like what you're doing, this podcast is really important because you know, there, there are a few podcasts now that are talking about, or I guess there's a lot about like relationships, but with sex and even just like listening and hearing people have dialogue, taking away that awkwardness around it can be really empowering for people, you know, just listening in on people's conversations. Like I was listening to some of your episodes and hearing you and Linda, Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like hearing you two talking, like that is just, this, this is just so important. And just people getting to hear other people's perspectives, I think, can maybe make it a less daunting conversation mm. in their lives.
0: Yeah, I think people would, would have been surprised because my mom had sex on the first date with my dad. I feel like <laughs> people would be like, oh, wow, like, I can't <laughs> believe they're talking about that.
2: When did your mom tell you that? Like, How did you find
0: out about that? We always knew that. We always knew that that they had sex on the first date from forever, I think, it was always... Not maybe not when we were super, super young, but yeah, as we got older, yeah. that was always uh, it was like a funny joke yeah, in the yeah. family um,
2: that's that's cool that they were <sighs> open about it. So I think moving past and being able to talk with your partners, finding spaces, I've actually created a card deck for couples, and there's just different questions that It's a tool and helps people to bring up the conversation because people, you know, one partner might find it so incredibly awkward or one person might be too embarrassed to even ask the question. So the different questions I have in there, and there's different, there's questionnaires and different things you can find on the internet, you know, about what your fantasies are or what do you need to be in the mood for sex? What do you think I need to be in the mood for sex? Because, you know, we sort of assume certain things. I really like that. It's like a deck of
0: cards. So you play
2: like a sexy game,
0: but you're not asking the questions, the card yes, is asking Yes, the questions. so
2: it, you know, takes away the pressure. Mm. I think when it comes to like sexual fantasies, those can be, you know, just a, a little fleeting thought or, you know, it might be a whole story that you sort of build up in your mind. And sometimes those can stay your own private thoughts and fantasies. But if you do want to share that with a partner, I think maybe thinking through what that fantasy or whatever your question is that you want to or conversation is you want to bring up with your partner think about it reflect on yourself how does it make you feel what does sex mean to you what are the reasons for having sex different things like that workout even journaling I really recommend journaling writing things out and then being able to like bring it up to a partner like hey how do you feel about this and they probably want to talk about it as well but don't know how to talk about it with fantasies I think understanding that sometimes our fantasies, like we don't actually want to live them out. They're just stay in our mind. So if it's something mm. you don't always have to tell your partner, but if you feel like you want to, and you want to share that with them, I guess you just got to get brave. But I think before you can do that, if you're having any self judgment, try not to judge yourself. Yeah. Because sometimes our sexual fantasies and erotica, you know, that helps us feel sexual and helps us feel desire and pleasure. And that's all good and fun. Just because you have a fantasy, it doesn't mean it needs to happen in real life. It could just be something that you like to do, you know, to have solo sex, masturbate.
0: It's like something for yourself. I feel like when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, it was so popular and it must have been like, oh, so no one's spoken about it before, but we're all into this. Yeah. That was a bit of a moment in our culture where people were reading that on the train. Yeah. I remember my my mom was reading it. We were on a holiday together and she was reading it by the pool. That's amazing. Which
2: when you think of different fantasies that you have, you know, maybe if one partner feeling like they want to have kinky sex and they just say that, well, you need to be really clear with your partner. What do you define as kinky or yeah. aggressive sex? Because one person might think that, you know, kink to someone could just be like a slap on the bum, whereas someone else wants to get a whip. Mm. And so if you're just Mm. thinking, oh, I just want to be slapped a little bit, and the other person comes in with a whip, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you really need to clarify and be specific about what your fantasies are. And if one partner has, has certain fantasies where the other partner feels like it's a bit too extreme, I think it's really important to respect that other person's boundaries and not obviously push or expect anything sexually from your partner that they don't want to do. And again, that's another time to reflect on yourself. Okay. Why is it that I want to have sex this way? What does it mean to me? Explore that, not just the physical part of it. Like what does it mean to you and to your partner Mm. if you were to do that?
0: What kind of other tools would really help? Do Do couples go and see sexologists to talk through the blockages they have around sex? Yes.
2: So you can either go to like a sex counselor. So the difference between mm-hmm. a counselor and a therapist. So a counselor will help a individual or a couple kind of go through your sexual history, look at, you know, the issue that you are presenting with and they can, I guess give you tools and advice to help you get through that with some things, learning like mindful breathing or having certain rituals before like a sexual experience can really help people to get them in the mood. But if it's something a bit deeper, and that still isn't helping, they'll then refer them on to a therapist who will go deeper into why those issues are there. But I would totally suggest, suggest and recommend seeing a therapist because, you know, they're trained in the science, they have experience, and they're really there to help people to feel sexually confident and then also to have like the best sexual experience you can with your partner. And there's always something new to learn about sex. Like we're not, we don't know all of the answers. And because of our upbringing, like our school experience, what was modeled in our homes Mm. from our parents or guardians, like all of that influences us subconsciously and consciously. And so there's a lot to work out to have free liberated sex with a partner. And I I think seeing someone can give you like really specific tools to work out the different blocks that someone has So one thing I was um, thinking about earlier, and I've recently just finished a course on pelvic pain, like in sexual pain, partnered with a pelvic physio and, and an issue that people have. So it's not just like psychological, sometimes the issues that we have with sex, sometimes it comes out physiological as well. So like vaginismus, that is a tightening of the vaginal muscles. And People literally have like muscle spasms and can't have penis to vagina intercourse or with a toy. Some people can't even, you know, put in tampons. And so much of that has to do with shame and guilt and these, you know, these different issues that we have around sexuality. So I'm all about seeking professional help because if you want to have free, good sex, you can. Like you can have that. Mm.
0: Yeah. I really liked what you said, the tip about, like I always listen to a lot of podcasts and I feel like that really reduces the shame around sex because mm-hmm. I hear other people talking about sex really openly. And so I guess I don't feel like so alone. Do you have any other, I guess, final tips for anyone that's been that they might have some fantasies that they're they're like, I can't ever tell anyone about this or they're, they're feeling really ashamed about the things that they want to do. Any like final tips for people to kind of remove some of those blocks that are stopping them from pursuing that really good free sex, as you called it? Yeah.
2: Resourcing yourself, becoming knowledgeable around sex by listening to podcasts and reading, reading books, the fantasies and different Maybe things that you define as issues that you have around sex, they're probably normal. And a lot of people are thinking these same things. Like you're definitely not alone. And so I would recommend a book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. This is like the manual for, I, th- I feel like, the sexually liberated woman and understanding your pleasure and owning yourself sexually. Come As You Are, such an important book. Okay. I'm going to write this down. Yeah. Nicole. Did on her book is called Slow Sex and it's a lot about like orgasmic meditation, which some people might find Mm -hmm. to be a bit too out there, maybe a little bit weird. But her book is so important. That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm all about it. (laughs) Orgasmic meditation, but it's just really about being in your body and being very present when it comes to sex. And
0: yeah,
2: yeah, and then I also think love worth making which is by Dr. Steven mm. Snyder. That's That would be for people in relationships. Okay, Love worth making.
0: Cool. I'm going to put all the links to these in the episode notes because I think these are really, yeah, yeah. really good tips. This slow sex one looks right up my alley. When we were chatting before about the spirituality side of things, that to me is yeah. the ultimate when you've got that kind of like deep connection with someone. And I think then being able to say what you want becomes a lot easier when you have that deeper connection with someone. awesome I love all those tips I'm going to check all these books out can't wait I'm going on a road trip on Friday and I need I need some audio books to get me through my mum will be sitting next to me so maybe we can like I can get her on some of these as well
2: yes great and then you guys can reflect together
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah awesome well thank you so much Cheryl for joining me this has been really great yes
2: thank you I love what you're doing thanks for having me
0: Hi, Linda, we're back.
1: My favourite topic, that was a great chat. There was a lot of talk about fantasies. Yes. I have <laughs> um, I have the same fantasy every night. Do you want to hear it? What is it? It, <laughs> it features my hot... Strong, yes, 7 a.m. almond latte, and I (laughs) obsess on how many hours to go till I can pop down to Sloan Ranger and pick it up.
0: (laughs) Literally, and that is what I think about every every night night. Is you fantasize about your large hot coffee in the morning? Yep. That's what oh, happens when
1: you get 59. <laughs> you <are> so-
0: <laughs> Linda, though, Linda, you're pretty bad when we walk around the tan. You like, Hannah.
1: Always on the
0: lookout for you. Or, or if there's a hot guy running, mum is the worst. She's like, oh my God, Hannah, look, you're not even discreet. You're clearly nudging me to stare at <sighs> the hot guy running.
1: That is definitely the place. It is. But how you actually stop someone who's hot and running and try to have a conversation, I do not know. We haven't got there yet. That was last week's challenge to talk to someone you don't know. Did you do yes. that? Yes.
0: So, <laughs> so I, it, it wasn't quite the challenge but it was. So I was out at a restaurant bar and I started chatting to the bartender Just having a bit of a flirt with the bartender. And as we were leaving the bar, I ran back and was like, hey, can I get your number? (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, I don't know if that counts, but another thing that did happen to me was I did have a girl that I was chatting to that I've never met in real life. We've been chatting on Instagram and we were both like, should we catch up for a coffee? So, I did say I'm going to Byron, but when I get back, let's go for a coffee and get a walk. So, I've made a new friend. Good.
1: You completed the challenge. Sort
0: of. I did two semi-challenges. I think that I was so out of practice talking to people because of lockdown I was actually really impressed with myself that I got a guy's number I don't do that no I haven't done that in months so at
1: least he gave it to you yeah
0: that would have been awkward if he'd been like no sorry so the challenge this week
1: I think we have to listen to one of Cheryl's book recommendations yeah I really loved while we're road tripping But I've Googled all those books and I'm just worried now I'm going to be fed a whole lot of sex ads on Facebook. Is that what will happen?
0: Yes, 100%.
1: I just want to tell you what I've found because we've got to pick one of the three. So there's Love Worth Making, How to Have Ridiculously Great Sex in a Long-Lasting Relationship by Dr. Steven Snyder. But the description says, can sex survive monogamy? Well, I don't think I want to listen okay. to that. Do you?
0: Can sex survive monogamy?
1: So long-term right. relationships. Okay, well, that's So I, not don't, I don't think we want to listen to that together. Wait, we're and not the, listening the sec-
0: together, Linda. We're going to have to listen separately. Oh,
1: I thought we were going to listen no. together in the car. No. That is
0: way too awkward. Way no, too-
1: that's the challenge. I'm putting okay. it to you. So the second okay. book was Slow Sex. <laughs> The Art and Craft of the Female Orgasm by Nicole Daydoney. And this is about orgasmic meditation and I definitely do not want to listen to that with you. Agree?
0: Okay, agree. I actually really want to listen to that one but anyway.
1: All right. The third book was Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski and that's about how Complications in your everyday life, like stress, influence your arousal, desire, and your orgasm. Thoughts on listening to that? To be
0: honest, linda I don't think. I think we're going to have to listen separately. I think that's a little bit too awkward. So we can hardly watch sex scenes in movies together without me freaking out. No, I have no problem. (laughs) It's you,
1: so I might bow out then if we're not going to listen together. I did
0: have a challenge actually. There's something that came up with the chat with Cheryl and Ruby, our producer. Actually, thought this was a Really good idea. So, Cheryl had said if you don't feel comfortable telling your partner or anyone else about your, you know, your secret fantasy, she said, write it down in your journal before you go and tell someone about it. And so I thought that was a really good challenge for everyone so this it's week.
1: a secret challenge. But, Linda,
0: Linda, I do not want to hear yours, but you are free to write yours down in your little I've already told you my
1: fantasy. <laughs> yours is your copy. Not a secret. It's the only one I have. <laughs> that sounds really sad. <laughs> Correct. 59 and thrilling.
0: So thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. I think we're going to be recording on the road, which will be fun. But if you enjoyed the podcast, if you can rate and leave us a review on Apple Podcast, that would be much appreciated. Thanks, Linda. See you next week. Bye.